Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing. Recorded at the PW offices in New York City, I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly and Co-Editor of PW Comics World. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. And I'm Heidi McDonald. I am the Graphic Novels Review Editor of Publishers Weekly and the Editor-in-Chief of Comics Beat at comicsbeat.com. Check us out on Twitter at at PW Comics World. And I'm Kate Fitzsimmons. I'm the podcast producer. And you can find us online on Tumblr at pwcomicsworld.tumblr.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to More to Come on iTunes. And on Facebook, we're at facebook.com slash pwcomicsworld. All right, this week on More to Come, uh, TCAP, that, and that's Toronto Comic Arts Festival for, you, for those of you not in the know. And we'll also talk a little bit about Darwin Cook as well, the late and, and who will be sorely missed. Uh, in addition... Uh, comics at BEA 2016. Uh, we're going to take a belated look at Captain America Civil War and changes afoot at DC Films. Then the news briefs. So, let's get back to Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the best comic show in, in North America or the bestest comic I know. show in I North America. I would have to say the bestest. Really. <laughs> yeah, it's easily and the best. And you know, they got, Calvin is is proudly wearing his t I am wearing it right as, now, we as we speak. I'm very jealous. He can't let go. I should have gotten one of those. Uh, yeah, I mean, they expanded this year. They had yes. uh, added a lot more vis- uh, booths. There was something nearly 600 exhibitors there. Yes. Uh, it's total cartoonists. Yes. Um, something like over 500 artists. Yes, um, yes. Uh, I think we got some late figures from yes, Chris on attendance. There was 22,000 20, people, which is down a little bit. Down, it was 24, year. I think, last yeah, year. But still, I, I'm uh, not sure how he can. Do you, uh, you know that his... He, gets, he, he says, you know, there's a turnstile at the library. Yeah. So they they look at the figures of what's on a normal Saturday there, and then they look at what the weekend is. And I mean, they don't so do one a, for one because people a, come and go. But right. you know, they just they have, it, yeah. and also how many of the newspapers they give out. Sure. So, uh, you know, which is it's a an good, estimate. It's, and a, the, it's an estimate. Yeah. I mean, there's no way to really know how many. Yeah. people But go. what were the estimates? Twenty two. Twenty two thousand. You know, Pretty good, but yeah. sure. I mean, for an yeah. indie comics festival, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's really amazing. In the most amazing venue you could ever ask for, a public library, and this thing is in this library with space to spare. Yes, it is. Although there were lines to get onto the stairs. That's on true Saturday. too. Now that that yeah. was a new phenomenon. Yes, that yeah. was. But normally there's a line to get into the salon upstairs, and there wasn't a, a wait to get in this time. Mm. So they did a lot better yeah. job, I think. They just added spreading. the third floor. Yes, this they added year. the third floor. They yeah. had a video games kind of a coast mm-hmm. uh, located it's called Comics and Games. Yes. Uh, you know, I heard I heard people a little bit moaning sometimes about whether they were, you know, at this place or that place. I mean, there was definitely better places, but there weren't any bad places. Because yeah. I saw crowds everywhere. I did, like, too. Like, people I mean, go there, they walk from table to table and look at every table. And yes. often buy something from Absolutely. the table. Um, you know, once again, I didn't hear any complaints about sales. I don't know if you did or nope, not. No, I did not, I did hear, not any hear any complaints any, about sales. Everybody I talked to was selling stuff out or, like, you know, are perfectly happy with what their sales. Absolutely. Um, and believe me, I dropped a bundle there myself. No, I spent all <laughs> my Canadian had, money. No. I had some Canadian money, and no I came idea. back with five dollars. So. Yes, sir. <laughs> you go. My my budgeting um, was was sublime. Um, uh, there was a new a new separate venue very close to the uh, Toronto uh, Reference Library, where it's held. Uh, beautiful building, the, the the Masonic Temple. It's actually a very um, cozy concert hall built in 1916 
really fabulous. I, I, well, I'd love but to it hear. It started as a Masonic temple. I mean, yes. just like the place where we are now, which is that's also true. A as a matter of fact, so, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but I apparently Still became active. a, a yes, uh, concert oh, yes. venue. Um, but it's a, I'd love to hear a concert there. It's so oh, intimate. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. So in fact, one well-known. Uh, comics, indie comics publisher, sure remain nameless, uh, recalled to me many times that they had spent uh, there, um, you know, getting high and watching concerts. All so, right. Yeah. So, uh, a good fit um, then, I suppose. Uh, let's see. The kickoff um, was, I have your story here, that's where I'm yes. using for references. The kickoff was a, actually a really great panel on um, Friday night, I believe it was, uh, moderated by the fabulous Heidi McDonald. Um, but really, it was called the, the Graphic Novel uh, Revolution and How It Changed Comics. I thought a very pertinent was this, this show, I think, s- sort of is a tribute to the book right. format yes. in many ways and what it's done for um, in the, in the uh, indie comics. And it was a nice panel. It was uh, Mark Siegel from First Second, mm-hmm. Annie Koyama from Koyama Press, uh, Andy Brown from Conundrum, which was celebrating his 20th anniversary, and Brian K. Vaughn, uh, writer of Saga. And um, we know why the last man, who was kind of the kind of the big star at the show. I mean, yeah, I would have to say, yeah. whatever Brian was, a big crowd followed. So you know, certainly. Uh, but once again, I think we should above. tell people this is the nicest superstar I've certainly ever encountered. He really is a very, very nice, humble person. And, I mean, he and, was hanging out with everybody the whole. Yeah. He was over in the pilot, you know. Yeah, he was knocking back boots yes, over everybody. He else. was. He is not a snotty no. at all. But he also told me that this is not all. That's his first off his first trip ever to Toronto. It was also his only show of the year. He is not doing any other conventions. <laughs> so well, you know, if it has to be a choice between doing the forty bajillion books he's doing, mm-hmm. or and uh, very high quality or attending a million conventions like please sit down and write Brian K. Vaughan yes exactly exactly. yeah please do be the reverse George R. R. Martin Uh, (laughs) and I I have to say Heidi also moderated another incredibly I mean that original panel really talked about you know these because there was what was the 20th anniversary of uh, Conundrum Press the 10th anniversary of First Second of First Second and uh, and, uh, I think it was nine years or something first but close enough uh, but your small press panel actually was incredibly lively, also. Yes, that was um, a lively, talkative, yeah. chatty bunch. And really, they were giving the real deal mm-hmm. uh, about really what <laughs> the world of a small press publisher and what it takes to get one off the ground and to keep it off the ground. And not for the faint of heart. No, not at all. Uh, that was uh, No Brow, Retrofit, uh, Piao Press, and 2D Cloud. And. Yeah. Um, uh, as I as I mentioned several times, it's like it doesn't take long on these usually to, you know, I try, sometimes I try to steer the conversation towards, oh, you know, what kind of books do you publish and who's your favorite cartoonist? That just never works. Always, it's like, God, I never have any money. <laughs> yes, I have yeah. my bed on vacation. My life is terrible. We spent our honeymoon um, funds on yeah, publishing our this books. This is a hard life. <laughs> Nobody is in it for the money. I'm yeah. terrible, horrible, horrible. I hate diamonds. So, yeah. Yeah, well, but that always. Was, it always that, ends but there. You know what? They didn't really say those things, but but in so many words. And actually, there was a lot of optimism. So it alluded to those things. It alluded to those things. And it was a very, actually, I mean, it was a very proactive and... um, and, uh, Oh, yeah. I mean, with all of that, these guys, they wouldn't want to be doing anything else. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And I mean, I was very charmed by uh, Patrick Crotty of uh, Piao Press. Or Prowl Studios, and like this yeah. is a very small, yes, I, Swedish I've publisher. I've heard of them. Yeah, that I, I see would the compare books. maybe to Ad House, except mm. they print them on a risograph, so they're very small mm-hmm. print runs. But uh, they sell out all the time. It's very hard to find their books because he said they sold out in, like at four hours, like by yeah, noon yeah. they yeah. they sold out just about. 
And uh, but he was saying I I, I I missed this just a little bit that he they've been talking to Sweden like they're changing some of the printing. Oh, they're changing some of the laws. Apparently, in in uh, Sweden, you can't get grants if you're yes. not publishing yes. in the Swedish language. Yes. Right. And they from the very beginning this said you know we're going to publish in English and actually go for a bigger market mm-hmm. um, and the bigger indie comics right. market because. Yes. Because apparently Sweden, the indie comics in Sweden is an even smaller market than it is in the U.S. But I'm sure that's just a question of just the relative size of the countries. Right, exactly. Um, uh, but because they've had so much success and sold so many books, they, as he said, they, they're, they're tiny and they're like the leading comics publisher in Sweden. Yeah. yeah. The government is actually considering changing the laws right. because this is a way to get Swedish artists uh, better known throughout the world. Yes. Yeah, and well, part of the problem is there's no Swedish diaspora diaspora yeah it's apparently like, not it's such a nice place nobody ever leaves yes that's true <laughs> although but Patrick has come to here to Jersey City and, yeah he's living and here and he's now, right? living here to learn more about our way so uh, I'm actually I'm going to invite him out to one of our drink ups so oh, we'll great yeah, come out yeah. no can, he seems like a terrific pick guy our, pick, our, pick his brains yeah. more but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah listen it's it's I, I, the most interesting part of that panel was uh, talking about uh, Conundrum, or excuse me, uh, about uh, Consortium, the distributor, yes. which has made such a huge difference for Kayama Press and Tootie Cloud and um, yes, and how did they do that? Civilized by well, Calvin. Well, uh, well, they're a well, they're a book trade distributor, and um, they're very experienced. They are they specialize in independent and small press publishers. A few years ago, they got the comic religion. They realize that this is like a market that needs to be served, that you can actually sell a lot of these books if you can get it in front of enough people, uh, and that bookstores is where these comics need to be. Um, and so they've taken on people like No Brow, you know, um, oh, I, uh, um, oh, I'm leaving some of uh, Arsenal uh, Pulp. Uh, uh, Arsenal Pulp, Secret, Secret uh, Acres, I think Koyama books, Press. I think Toon Books is, is distributed by them, them as well. Um, um, and... and uh, Lord knows, uh, Box Brown would love for Retrofit to be there as well. Yes. But apparently, uh, they took on um, alternative on 2D Cloud, yeah. and uh, which has some pretty uh, experimental books. Yeah. But I think it's more of a question that they they sign up a lot of um, new comics publishers. Then the whole kit and caboodle was acquired by uh, Ingram. Consortium mm. is actually owned by Perseus distribution which is a distribution arm of Perseus Books which was acquired by Hachette but Hachette didn't want the distribution didn't want the distribution so that was subsequently sold it to Ingram so Ingram of course is the biggest wholesaling book operation on the planet Um, and they have their own uh, distribution and there's a difference between wholesale and distribution their wholesale operation means that their books are on your books are on account and anybody can call up Ingram and order them but they don't they're not doing any selling or marketing for you their distribution side is ingram publisher services which actually distributes humanoids right um in that case there are sales reps they're going out to stores and that's what tucker was talking about yes consortium is a distributor if they take you on your books will be part of a, a sales reps territory and when they go out they will be in front of booksellers telling them why they need to buy well, yes, books. Yes, and it's undoubtedly, like, as I said before, it's if you talk to anyone at Uncivilized or Secret Acres, you'll yes. hear how huge it's been for them to get Consortium, which is a, you know, a mainstream distributor Absolutely. Uh, for their material to get out there. And uh, But but Tucker said something very interesting, uh, you know, when Box Brown was, was um, you know, lamenting that he hadn't 
gotten picked up by, you know, he said, we'll give it time. Yes. But then he said that yes. at, at BEA, which we, Calvin was there, so we'll yes. be talking about that in just a little bit. Uh, but that um, he felt that at this year's BEA, there was a lot of activity amongst the graphic novel publishers. Yeah, you know, I, I, I didn't necessarily, I, well, first thing I would say, I, folks at BEA were happy. Mm-hmm. The comics publishers right. I talked to were happy. Uh, they they were meeting the right people, um, but as you were saying on your panel, um, they're apparently and I though I do know the distributors are paying attention to comics publishers. Uh, Tucker said, "Look, they're really out to get um, right. get comics publishers. They want something in print that is very distinctive that mm-hmm. nobody else has." Uh, and I have to admit, years ago, even uh, the sometimes well, the always trash Stu Levy was mm-hmm. talking about comics as the closest thing a bookstore has to multimedia mm-hmm. right. and uh, he said you know print is not going anywhere this is what mm-hmm. this is what these distributors want and what bookstores want because people have to stop and stare right. and we, well, oh, okay, yeah and I think that um, frankly it's a good mix putting these publishers with consortium because a lot of the time the real audience for this kind of books, the people who really appreciate them are much closer to the indie bookstore crowd mm-hmm. than they are to the Wednesday crowd. And that's the last frontier out here, actually, for retail, is independent bookstores. The chains yes. are all in. The chains are in. The chains are in. But independent bookstores are still reluctant very often to take on this category. Well, you know, independent bookstores may not be a good fit for, you know, Naruto or Batman, but they may be a very, very good fit for, say, Box Brown. Mm-hmm. Right. But and plus I think these bookstores don't realize what an incredible scene a well stocked independent graphic novel section can have. Right. Uh if you're doing that and you're doing events as well. Well, you know, I just did a uh an event last night at Books of Wonder here in the mm-hmm. city, which is the number one kids bookstore yeah. and you know, one of the best in the nation really. Mm-hmm. And they, they have their own graphic novel yeah. section now. Yeah. I guess they've had it for about a year mm-hmm. and um, you know, there's quite there's there's definitely enough books to fill this section. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? And um so it really depends on the store, it depends on the buyer. But 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 it was I thought that was definitely very interesting phenomenon that Tucker was talking about. And yes. and I, I hope that retrofit does kind of stick around and get to that next level because I, I they're, they're a great publisher. They're also a sub distributor. Yes, they have an interesting deal. They distri- distribute stuff here for like Avery Hill. Avery Hill. They do a, a they other. do a, yeah, I think Avery Hill distributes some of their books there in, in the UK and they do theirs here just to make it easier for everybody. So, right. Um, yeah, so more to come on all of yeah. this. But, and it uh, was a really, uh, but I, I should also throw in that uh, it was a really crazy uh, TCAF for me personally. Uh, you not only had to do the um, big panel on Friday night, mm-hmm. which is you know it's usually a sellout. I mean the tickets were sold out online. The room wasn't quite full, but it was very full. Yes, it was packed. It was packed, and um, and then on Saturday I was I was uh, conscripted into the Doug Wright Award. Oh yes, which that's is right. The <laughs> present an award, the American Invasion. Uh, yes, the American Invasion. <laughs> but these are the awards. I'm sure we talked about them in last year's podcast. Mm. Uh, it, well, Calvin didn't go. I last didn't go year. last year. So, and I, Calvin, I said you have to go this year. I did I not was... know I was going to be part of the ceremony, so that was completely innocent on my part. But uh, I was very honored to be a part. And 
and they only have four awards. There's the Pigskin Peters Award for new talent, uh, for experimental talent. There's mm-hmm. the Nipper yes. for uh, emerging yep. is, talent. Is that emer- and then yes. there's the and best then book. There's the best book. Yeah. And then there's the Giants of the North, which is what they call their Hall of Fame. So these are just uh, the cutest awards. They are, yes, they they are, are really, really cute. Yes. And, the, and it's the widow of Doug uh, Wright. Who yes, who's kind of the is, Charles Schultz. Of, yes, who is escorted out and yes. does a star turn yes. around the stage yes. and, and, and walks and out. And Seth, of course, yeah, on Seth's always arm. dressed Natalie for, uh, as he designed absolutely. the whole thing. Natalie but, as of for 1947. Yes, but you, you learn uh, so much about the road not taken when you go to these because they will, uh, um, what's the word, uh, eulogize. Well, some of them aren't dead. But they uh, celebrate the lives of cart- Canadian cartoon greats who we have never heard yes, of. Absolutely. So it's almost like this pretend thing. Or this alternate universe. Yes, alternate universe car- comics. Well, is like Jasper the Bear yes. appeared in newspapers. and You know, like Doug Wright. He's their Charles Schultz. Yes. We, yeah. Sometimes we forget that known. Canada is, yes, in fact, no a different country. <laughs> and that there are all these cultural references that don't 100% translate. That's but the, the trick is, is, though, for a country that we are so close to and so connected to, Americans really know nothing. Mm-hmm. Know very little. You know nothing, Jon Snow. Well, we just don't. But uh, and I'm the. But worst you offender. learn. But that's how you learn. But by I, going yeah. To but I'm learning. Awards. I'm gonna learn a little bit more every year because uh, uh, TCAP, I'll be back. I know. I uh, I was I moderated a panel on uh, manga for adult librarians. I was late to the panel, but my co-panelists did a great job on it. My flight was delayed. Um, it was Chris Butcher. Uh, I think uh, Peggy Burns was there as well and uh, Bridget Alverson and the amazing Deb Stone actually yes. helped us all from afar uh, and then I also did a talk with Deb Stone we did an Deb- interview Deb- with Yoki, I mean. uh, excuse me excuse me Deb Stone Deb Ayoki uh, we sort of we did a tag team interview with uh, Murray Naomi on an incredibly charming and, and smart book uh, called Turning Japanese about uh, being a, a, a bar hostess mm-hmm. in San Francisco and then going back to Japan to yes. do it as well so, speaking of new indie books, uh, I just want to put in a quick plug for Breaking Cat News, uh, okay. the online sort of experimental cat comic that we interviewed the creator of uh, last year, Georgia Dunn. Well, Breaking Cat News has just hit print. Yes. You can buy it in a bookstore near cool. you or on Amazon and um, see these adorable little cat reporters yourself. There you go. Yes, and I predict it will be a hit. It'll be. By the way, also, another one of the interviews you did, the check, please. Yes. Um, I can't remember the, the creator's name. Ngozi. Ngozi. Uh, also a big hit at TCAF. Oh, I didn't yeah. See oh, yeah. It. Sold out. Yeah, I didn't see her, well, but I, mean, I was told. It's a hockey comic. It's Toronto. <laughs> Come on. Also, let me tell you, TCAF is the capital of queer comics. Oh yeah, so yeah, it, it's 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 a queer hockey comic. I mean, TCAF, and it's home, it's home. Queer comics and the, every panel on queer comics, women, diversity of any kind, packed, packed, packed. Well, I have to say that more, more than I wish to someday go to San Diego Comic Con, I want to go to TCAF. Oh well, you we should make sure that can happen. You have you to. You would do have it. such a good time. You because would have a great time. I feel like I feel like TCAF would be like an ideal Comic-Con oh. for me, whereas San Diego Comic-Con kind of like scares me Have with you. its giant I think Spike Trotman was homecoming queen or something. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> of course she was. She's Spike <laughs> Trotman. She, it's Because she's, she's double awesome. But um, 
But and anyway, the, well, yes. there was a sad note. At yes, the yes, yes, yes. It was very sad in that it, just the Friday before the show, mm. yes. a really pretty shocking story came out that said that Darwin Cook, the great Canadian and uh, longtime Toronto resident, uh, the great can- Canadian cartoonist, uh, was receiving palliative care for a very aggressive cancer and as you know when you hear that it means that it's not it's too not long clear. and it very, wasn't too and long and very sadly the very next morning it was officially announced that he had passed away and of course it was very very emotional because he so many people to show knew him I mean Chris Butcher himself sure uh, told me that he thought you know Darwin loved the show he did the the um he did the the, the poster for it a few years ago and he had hoped that he would actually be there uh, because I I understand that he actually had been you know up and around yeah. like it, yeah. it, it yes anyway uh, so as there far was a as I know it was been. because it was so aggressive it actually was a short time between yes. diagnosis and the end yeah which uh, just made it really more of a shock it, to it the was just terribly sad no yeah. one saw it coming but it was a memorial um, and of course a a, a witty and elegant um, memorial uh, by Seth. Mm-hmm. Um, at the Doug Wright ceremonies. But, but uh, Kate, are you a Darwin were you a fan? Have you read his uh, great I works? Re- I have read some of his great mm-hmm. works. And you want to tell us a little bit about some of them? Well, um, for one thing, New Frontier is, of course, his masterwork for mm-hmm. which he will be remembered eternally, yes. um, which was his reimagining of DCs in the 50s, not through the lens of how DC saw itself then, but um, our current perspective on the ups and downs of the mm. politics of the yeah. 50s mm-hmm. kind uh, of through the, through lens, the, of the lens of the Cold War. Of yeah. the comics. So, you know, it was mm-hmm. a retrospective minus the propaganda. Uh, and yet, weirdly hopeful while being very mm-hmm. clear-minded and sure. excited on things about, you know, the complications of the Korean War and sure. so on. Mm-hmm. Um, he did the best animated opening sequence of all time the opening to batman beyond mm-hmm. yes and he, he's not wasn't even a video guy he did it at home on his macbook <laughs> uh and it's even today like you will never see a better opening sequence to anything animated ever mm-hmm. yeah. yeah it's incredible like i was a teenager it made a huge impression on me it lives yeah. on my dvd shelf forever um his his take on and you know the Parker novels. Oh yes, were just, just were classic. Incredibly stylish. I mean, um, he he had this style that was retro yet deeply individual. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like if you saw Darwin Cook work, mm-hmm. you knew it when you yeah. saw. And it. it was retro, but it was relevant. It was yeah. completely and it was relevant. Noir, but it was also pop. I mean, his colors. Yes. His it, and colors. it wasn't even always noir. Sometimes it was noir. Sometimes well, it wasn't. wasn't. A, but that that's you know he did it so well. He but did it yeah, he really did incredibly well. I it mean, was, I first encountered him during for Selena's Big Score. Oh, I think that's the that's first book I really. Well, just, and that's a, just great. as a tribute to just the, to the man's talent, he redesigned Catwoman yeah. fifteen years. Years ago, yeah. and they still use that yeah. same design. Well, yeah. it's, it was a very, very it was, good design. It was, it was a brilliant great design. I mean, everything brilliant. he did became an instant classic. Yeah, yeah, I mean. pretty much. And I mean, he was uh, just t- today a book called Future Quest went on sale that he was, I think, among the last things that he worked on. Uh, he did. It, it's it's kind of a Darwin esque reimagining of Johnny Quest and uh, some of the other Hanna Barbera oh, characters. Oh right, right. And That's part of yeah. I'm yeah. sure he had some input on that because it's Darwin mm-hmm. to the core. 
And, um, you know, so many people loved him. I mean, he, listen, he was a controversial guy. He yeah. had a, you know, he... Well, he, it's lived, comics. It is comics, but I'm just saying he lived his life very passionately. Yeah. And uh, there are a lot of stories that were told about Darwin uh, that are jaw droppers. Let's put it that way. Mm. But, the, you know, I, I mean, Jimmy Palmiotti is one of his best friends. He's been sharing stories about Darwin on his blog and uh, or, or on his Facebook page. And I, I'm pretty sure they're public, so I don't mm. think I'm talking out of school. But, you know, one of them... If you... Come on, tell the story. If you crossed Darwin a little bit editorially, like if you messed with his stuff, he got really angry. So something had been changed or, you know, argued uh, with DC. So it was like a DC dinner that uh, co-publisher Dan DiDio was at. And uh, according to the story... Uh, you know, Dan kind of apologized to Darwin and said, well, uh, you know, I'll accept that, but is this dinner on DC? And Dan said, yes, of course it is. He said, all right. Well, then he ordered the biggest surf and turf he possibly could, like a gigantic steak, ate the whole thing, then a gigantic lobster, and ate every bite <laughs> of the lobster, you know, and ordered like, you know, the most expensive scotch to wash it down. And uh, then he just uh, said thank you. And then there's a picture of him holding up this lobster claw. <laughs> <on> the, <laughs> uh, so uh, Message delivered. Message delivered <laughs> and in a way that you could. Because I'll tell you, I didn't know Darwin that well, but I did hang out with him a few times. Um, and, uh, you know, the guy loved life. He did. And he was really sweet and... Uh, giving a generous and just you just lived like you know he just enjoyed life he yeah. I can't put it and he lived it to its fullest and and you know you you did too when you were with him so and yeah. you know it's a huge well, loss only 53 years old it's really unbelievably sad uh, he yeah. will be missed uh, he's missed already Definitely. Um, uh, it's hard to know even know what else to say yeah for him to be gone so soon um, uh, I'm going to move on to Book Expo. Yes. yes. Um, okay, first uh, time in Chicago in 12 years. A little weird. I was there back in the day. Uh, brand new building at McCormick Place mm -hmm. <clears throat> that didn't exist before when we were there 12 years ago. Um, as far as comics were concerned... Um, they had a high. There was a profile. The show was much smaller. Was I mean, there a diamond aisle? Like <clears> there was indeed a diamond aisle. Uh, and uh, I talked with uh, with Ku Ku uh, Yu Liang, the, who directs Diamond Book Distributors, and he said it was great. He called the show invigorating. Mm -hmm. I mean, Ku's whole thing is you don't need a lot of people. You just need the right people. And he felt like, in fact, I'm sure the Book Expo uh, leadership would be happy to hear this uh, because part of what their spin was having it in the Midwest was that, hey, you're, people who never come are going to come. You're going to see new people. And that's what Ku was saying. He said, we saw retailers that we uh, don't necessarily mm -hmm. see. I got to spend time, uh, he said, with his um, uh, with a lot of Midwestern retailers. Uh, he mentioned uh, Anderson's Book Spot, Joseph Beth booksellers, Kinokania Chicago, uh, ReaderLink, Follett, Groupon. He said, you know, it was really great. We got to spend time with retailers that we don't get to spend right. a lot of time sure. with. Sure, sure. Well, that's what, I, you know, yeah. That, yeah, for all the ease of having it here in New York, uh, I would say that, you know, occasionally moving it to other locations is not a bad idea. Well, the leadership is going to be, uh, the BEA leaderships are going to have to, uh, it'll be interesting to see where this goes because the only reason why it's in New York every year is the Big Five want it here. Well, I heard uh, just the next day it was announced. Uh, well, Monday it was announced, uh, or, or yesterday, Tuesday, what, whatever day it is. I'm a bit on the run. <laughs> We're all but anyway, it was loopy. announced that uh, New York Comic Con was changing a few of its 
practices and yes, would have like they're member, very interesting. They have to have fan verification, which sounds kind of creepy to me, to be honest. But yeah. um, you know, I'm it's, sure it's just like a member. But it sounds it's, like it's, San Diego. Well, actually, it's more like I I read about it a little more depth. It's kind of like you know when you post something to the internet. Sometimes, depending on the website, there's a thing that says, "Are you a robot?" Right, and then you click it. And then you type in some letters or something to prove that an actual human yeah. being is looking at it. Right, sure. Well, part of the fan verification process, if you are over the age of 12, is that in order to make sure that you're not some mega reseller just typing right. in fake names, right. they ask you some just basic questions yeah. about, hey, what kinds of things are you interested in as a fan? Like, do you like zombies? Yes. No. <laughs> you know, that kind of yeah. thing. And they say those are very short, just a few questions, but that it's... It's to make it harder to game the system. Right. Yeah. So, you know, there is a pretty big scalping problem with New York Comic Con. Yeah. And, and they don't prosecute it as, as zealously as San Diego Comic Con does. But, uh, you know, they wanted to cut down on it. But but what I was going to say is that I did actually interview Lance Fensterman, who runs Read Pop, about this whole thing. And now, Calvin, I think you and I were saying that BookCon was held the day after. Yes, and which it, I did not attend. You did not attend. But, yeah. you know, our own Claire Kirsch wrote a story yes. about it. And she says it was a hit. Yeah. And there were 7,000 people there. And there was long... And people slept out from yep, 3 in yep, the morning yep. to... Uh, not even for John Green. Apparently, the thing's so popular, it doesn't matter where you hold yes. it. Yes. So, and um, it's my understanding that next year BEAs are going to be two days, yep. correct? In New York, and then BookCon will be two days. Yes. So I mentioned this theory that I had hatched to Lance. And I said, you know, Lance, I have a suspicion that someday there'll be three days of BookCon and just BEA will be at industry day there. And he didn't say anything. He just laughed. Ha, 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 So, <laughs> but I yes. mean, yes. The rueful laugh yes. of someone who knows more than he's willing to say. It wasn't even rueful. It was more <laughs> well, like, yeah. it was well, more like, oh, well like, played. I'm not going to well answer played. that question. Yes, well because. But um, I mean, listen, I, it's, it's, yeah. that's a, that's a no-brainer. You know, it's you not don't, a bad thing. You don't no. have to be, well, that depends on who you talk to. If you talk to book marketing people, it that they they worry about that because they feel now that their show, the time that they have to sit down quietly with professional to professional, is is being taken away from them. Now, they're going to adjust because they're also getting to talk to customers and consumers, and they'll find better ways of getting books in front of people. Because um, trade book publishers are mortally afraid of talking to consumers. They're not used to doing that. Yes. They're used to <laughs> well, talking to retailers. I understand that, yeah. but it is 2016. Yeah, but well, you know... If you can't do it, get your intern to do it. Because <laughs> seriously, like the diehard fans want to know more about their books. Well, they're, that's they're, another they're reason why they want them to, to stay in New York. Money. Well, that's a good point. That's another reason why they want the, the show to stay in New York. Because what do they do when it's in New York? They send their whole staffs over to Javits Center. Right. They don't do that when this show is on no. the road. And I they mean that's understandable. I mean that's yeah. understandable. Yeah. But you know. Bottom line is, you you can't be a brand that just sits back and says, "Oh my God, aren't we awesome?" and we give you all these amazing things anymore. You know, like no, but you can't do that. No. It's, it's just and like, they're realizing it now. Yes, because two days next year, how long before it's three days? No, it, it'll it'll totally. And you know, if BookCon, we were talking about this beforehand. We said how you know how BookCon does will be the test because uh, this is a brand new city, a brand new venue, and. Um, that you know, like they didn't have like the, I think the first years they had like, like James Patterson, John Green, like the, really the biggest names. This year they did have big names, but not quite a street legal maybe as them. But they're still huge names, you know, like yeah. Sandra Clare. Well, probably so it was on. harder. Yeah, 
this year because it was Chicago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just quickly, I mentioned sure. that at the BEA, um, I moderated the uh, bu- the fall Buzz graphic novel panel, and we had a great show. Um, the fabulous Raina Telgemeier, her new um, graphic novel, Ghost, um, which amazingly really is a book about death uh, for kids. Um, she was great. Uh, Box Brown has a fabulous book, Tetris. Uh, the games people play, indeed, a history of the popular video game, but also kind of a look at the history of gaming in general. And a book that I think is going to be just um, just going to blow everybody's socks off come the fall. Um, Emile Ferris, remember that name. You don't know who she is, but you will. Uh, she's if got a Calvin has anything to say about if any, it. If Calvin I have anything, I'm going to cram it down your throat. Um, uh, yeah, we've got an interview, but you're not going to. We're not going to uh, uh, run it until um, much later. But the book will be published in October. Uh, it's called My Favorite Things Is Monsters. It's a it's a fictional um, confessional about a uh, about a young girl who is sort of coming to grips with her her sexuality, loves monsters and zines, lives in Chicago, and the drawings are some of the most beautiful I've ever seen. Yeah, it's um, gorgeous. Um, there were other books there. Uh, let's see, Paper Cuts was showing off uh, Jessica Abel's Trish Trash, which is coming out in um, the fall. Um, I ran into John Slobleski, who has a great book he's doing that there udon is coming with in the fall called love is really kawaii i'll just leave it like that beautiful and uh it's done by a guy called andrew uh how um who's got like five hundred thousand followers on social media but uh incredibly cute book they're gonna sell a ton of these books um, um one thing we haven't discussed so far because we've been on the road and whatnot captain america right civil war right um, Which uh, now Kate hasn't seen it, Calvin and I yeah. have because I raced out immediately to see it because I am desperately afraid of spoilers. Yes. Yeah. Whereas I, um, in this case, it was not for the Batman v Superman reason of, dear God, it's terrible. That's two hours of my life, but because I am actually a hardcore Marvel Cinematic Universe fan, and I have, you know, I, this is. As they say on Tumblr's, I have feels. I have feels. I have Captain America feels and Iron Man feels. I like these characters very much. And so to like sit through like bad things happening to them and them hating each other and everything, I'm just like, ugh, do I need this emotional experience? It's, it's not it's, it's not a typical. It's not like that at all. Stuff. It's noble struggle. It's <laughs> yeah, noble yeah, yeah. struggle. And it's like Paris and Hermes. Yeah. And of you course know? it's the yeah. obvious you know, it's the misunderstanding that provokes the battle that they suddenly realize. Well, you know, listen, is we a big mistake. Uh, this is the bottom line. Essentially this is the same movie as Batman v Superman. Uh, two noble heroes suddenly decide that one of their number has done something bad and then they fight and then at the end it turns out that someone else yeah. might have been in behind it. Yeah. Well, this and, is a convention going back with it. Although I will say this. Yes. yes but Marvel does a better convention. job yes. of it. Well, I mean, it's like... Let's face like, it. Like, like I, I think I might have even mentioned on here how we, after we saw Batman v, v Superman, we sat down and we wrote the story. And basically, the way we rewrote the story is exactly the way they did it in Civil War. You know, even down to the... You know, and then they race in with a video that shows what really happened. I mean, it's yeah. not... It's, it's so obvious. I mean, I feel yeah. it's too hackneyed. I mean, I, mean, I, I was, guess they were know, trying not to be... You know, I did the, uh, you know, I'll stand up for Bat versus Soup thing. Yeah. And that's fine. It, you know, 
flawed, you know, but, you know, not, as, not as suckable as people say. But really, Captain America, this was a thoroughly enjoyable movie. It really was. Um, and, well crafted. And there was, there was the, I have one, the only complaint I would make about it is the score, as with all Marvel movies, is very generic and unmemorable. Mm. But other than that, you know, these actors have been playing these roles for years now, and they're really, really into them. They have so much... Um, you know, they bring so much equity Absolutely. with it. And then they introduced Black Panther and gave him, like, the star uh, He turn. really, yeah, he really did. I mean... But, he, and while you could say Black Panther stole the movie, except that Spider-Man might have. But I think Spider-Man might have, but so might the Winter Soldier. And so well, might... Well, no, but well, he didn't he really was already, steal it yeah, because he he's a, the main part of the plot. Yeah, and, he's been, and we've seen him already. I just mean as the introducing new characters who really, you know, were... Theoretically, secondary calendars, yes. although yes. You, that you could be arguing about Black Panther there. But they shone in this film. Yeah. They really did. No, it wasn't. There was a couple of other flaws. I mean, I did feel like uh, um, the Vision and Scarlet Witch, I felt that was a little creepy. Yeah, I didn't quite get that either. But, you know, well, I don't really get Vision anyway to, to be or fair, Scarlet Witch. Vision and Scarlet Witch in the comics had were always kind of creepy. Yeah, but it was hot. That's true. But in the movie, it wasn't. It oh. was yeah. sort of like really. kind of creepy. Yeah, I don't I didn't quite like get it. It, it was like know. this older man with <laughs> yeah, a girl like half the... his age, and yeah. she's being oh, like a okay. ho- helicopter. Oh, oh, so that's a Woody Allen kind of so thing. So that's a different kind of creepy than usual yes. for, for Scarlet And in that time when he tried to keep her from leaving, I started thinking, oh, now it's really going to get ugly. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah. You know, I just didn't buy it. Because it looked like he was kind of, it looked like he was... You know, kind of hitting on well, her. Well, you know, the bottom line is, yeah, exactly. Which, well, you could yeah. see he's very interested in yeah. her, and and it's, just it just comes you know, off as kind of inappropriate. So but <laughs> you know what? Let me tell you something. There's one thing the MCU is not. I, I'm bringing up all these flaws, but believe me, it's a very entertaining movie. I'm sure you've already seen it. It's already made a billion dollars, so I don't need to tell you. But um, uh, one thing they're not good at is romance. The Hulk Black Widow thing was the dumbest thing. At least I, they broke up at the end of the movie. They, thank God they did because it was the dumbest thing. I mean, I, I mean, who wouldn't be hot for Mark Ruffalo? But somehow you managed to make having a crush on Mark Ruffalo completely not credible. So that's a real <laughs> job. But yeah, uh, to be fair, now you see me also pulled that one off. Yes. Well, it it can be done, which is and, shocking. And, and the but one why the, you and the uh, and the uh, the attraction that we. Thought I thought anyway, you know, Black Widow and Cap that went nowhere. Yeah, but but you know what also went somewhere. You know what these movies are really great at is mm-hmm. is uh, you know m- m- boy boy action because the Captain America Bucky love story I, I overshadows. I, I had to Tumblr savior the word Bucky <laughs> because literally every second post on my dashboard was ZoMG Bucky. Bucky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Bucky and with no, the good the, hair. The bromance is, is hot and heavy. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, and, yeah. Then, and then, you know, there's... there's Even Iron, and Iron Man's jealous. Yes, he is. He is I jealous. I thought you were my friend. I thought, yeah. <laughs> Steve, I thought you and me were the yeah, ones so, who were... I'm telling you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, um, and who like, says men don't express their feelings? No. Well, in Marvel movies, they do. They really do. And that's why they have a female audience. You know, it's almost as... I, I would compare it a little bit to maybe the WWE. Because, you know, in the WWE, there is this very strong homoerotic 
Uh, you know, even when they say that, you know, Melina is the girlfriend, I mean, a lot of times those, these, the boy girl attraction doesn't really work. Doesn't seem as as, intense as 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 the boy boy. Yeah. No, exactly. So. (laughs) And hell, the, 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 you know, Iron Man and Captain everything, but hit each other with a folding chair. I know. It was, it was, um, (laughs) so. Yeah. But, but just cap, cap, hats off to Kevin Feige. I mean, Jesus, he has, you know, and I've been a, I've been a skeptic. Yeah, and I said, you know, Ant-Man uh, to me mm. did nothing. I did not like Ant-Man. I just thought, I mean, everyone had told me how wonderful and fresh and funny Ugh. it was, and it wasn't. It was really just a chip off the old Thor and, yeah, you know, I didn't block. see it. It was just, but it, you was, know, I liked it was him. fine. But I liked was, him in this, you know, he, and I don't, you know, and I didn't go to see Ant-Man because I said, it's too ridiculous. I mean, plus, almost sort of boycotting because Edgar Wright was supposed to do it, right. and then he didn't, so yeah. that's what I, that's the Ant-Man I would have liked to have seen. That would have been um, amazing. Um, but, but, you but know, he was good in this. I mean, they were all... Well, I mean, again, how do you make, you know, Paul Rudd? I mean, basically they have, you know, and Scarlett Johansson. Let's not yeah. forget the lady. Yes. Uh, yes. But, you know, you have all these really likable, wonderful actors. Robert Downey Jr., uh, you know, just... And the script was so in balance. There, all of the elements worked together. And, yes. in, in, you know, yes. it's like, in, you know, with Superman, no humor at all. I mean, you know, but this, the movie had humor. It had dramatic confrontation. I mean, it had a balance of elements. That, that draw you, that drew you into it, and, and brought you to the film. I yes. mean, it was it was well crafted. Well, well it hasn't gone unnoticed in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, it's printing money that, now, from what I hear. Uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe is the hottest thing there is in Hollywood. Yeah, it'd be hard to miss, wouldn't it, it? Yes. And Warner Brothers is still sitting a little bit jealous on the sidelines because yeah. they're just not hitting it on the same way. Uh, now their TV is uh, doing very well. Very, yeah, very well. Now, by, the by the way, I understand like S.H.I.E.L.D. is killing people off left, right, and center. Are you following You know, I kind of lost I, S.H.I.E.L.D. I, 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 don't, I, <laughs> I lost S.H.I.E.L.D. about a year I, ago. You know, I drop off S.H.I.E.L.D. I pick it up again six months later. I kind of look at it. I drop off the map again. Uh-uh. You know, and given that I'm the kind of fan who will stick by a TV show forever. I think that's like a not great sign. I think that says it all right there. You know, and we all said a Joss Whedon created TV show well, about the Marvel Universe. How can this miss? Well, to be fair, Joss Whedon uh, said, you know, once he had broke off his relationship with Marvel, that he had been promised and had planned to be much more hands-on with S.H.I.E.L.D. And then they were like, Oh no, you can't do that. You have to be making Avengers too, and we need you like full time in the movies. You can't spend time on the TV show. So it yeah. never became what it would have become had Joss been there. It's a show by completely different people, it is, basically. Absolutely, and so you know it's been a huge disappointment. But anyway, well, so you have on this one corner, you have you know Marvel versus Marvel Disney versus uh, DC. Warner Brothers. So Marvel, clear winner in the movies. DC, clear winner of the TV. Yes. But what to do with DC? Now, there's been so We've talked about it week in and week out. You know, what is to become of Zack Snyder? I mean, he's been getting a little pissy about things, uh, I guess, maybe. You know, yes. like, like... I'm sure people are sending him nasty grams. Yes. But he's gotten so much public... <laughs> public uh you know hate on for the for the movie and oh. uh you know now it's yeah. been so it was recently announced that ben affleck would now be a co-exec producing the uh justice league movie because this movie cannot mm-hmm. fail and uh and because ben affleck can actually direct well and also you know he's won two oscars this yeah. is the guy who's won two oscars yeah and so it's kind of hard to argue against that but to just last night it was made public that um 
that uh, Warner Brothers has actually restructured its entire film division. So they created one little division for like their Lego and Harry Potter movies, and then they created one little division for their uh, other movies, and then the <laughs> third one is called DC Films. Uh, it yeah. kind of is Lego, Harry Potter, DC Films, and other. And I don't remember the names of the people running the other two, but uh, uh, the DC film, uh, they said that Jeff Johns would uh-huh. be the co-head along with John Berg, who's a producer on all the movies. So I've been told by many people that, you know, this story came out and everybody was like, holy cow, the shoe dropped and yada yada, this is incredible. I'm told this has actually been happening for quite a while, so it's yeah. more like now it's like, okay, yeah. now let's get the, the press release so out So do we it. blame Jeff Johns for Batman versus Superman? Well... Uh, you know, Jeff has been there for Green Lantern as well, So, but he's also in charge of the TV shows. And, so. and it's not really clear exactly who decided what. Well, you know how it is. You know, success has many fathers. Uh, nobody wants to claim yeah. failure. Like, where exactly the bad, terrible ideas came from is is left up in the air. Right, right. But I do think that everyone is agreed that... Um, there can be only one Kevin Feige. But if you had to have someone who says, you know what, we should have a... Of course, I'm making this up out of totally... Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. But it's like, oh, you know what, we're doing the Aquaman movie. So you know what, we should introduce Booster Gold in that movie. That would be a good character. Well, Kate's shaking her head. So who would be a good character <laughs> well, to introduce? Well, I, I love Booster Gold, but he has absolutely nothing to do with Aquaman. So he would probably be not a good fit to introduce that movie. But maybe for the tone it would. Well, you now, know, it's well, funny because... I, I feel like... Who would you? You might be right about Booster Gold. I'm not a Booster Gold fan. I right. I love Booster Gold, but, but Aquaman. No, Aquaman the, is um, well, he's frankly Aquaman, and at least a cameo by like some Amazon characters of some kind would make sense because Aquaman is very into his own royaltiness, and the Amazonians are kind of have that vibe, and they live on an island. Yes. So that would be like any Amazon character you want to introduce. Do it in Aquaman movie. Right. Well, there you go. But so anyway, obviously, I'm not the person to run the DC universe. Uh, but or you know, Kate or Beast is, Boy. Beast Kate, Boy. Kate he does sea more, animals. Far more equipped, and probably Jeff Johns is better equipped oh, yeah. than both of us. Okay. So so he would be the person who could answer these burning questions. Uh, and you know, you you. I uh, wouldn't mind seeing Power I, Girl. I, yeah, Power Girl. Sure, that's a good. But uh, Kate, I mean, isn't there a tie in between the DC TV shows? Isn't there a kind of a rough sort of continuity between them? Yes, all? yes, there is a continuity between all of them. Um, initially, because it was on a different network, they were aggressively not doing that in Supergirl. Um, and Supergirl was sort of left stranded away from the DC oh, TV shows. Girl. And so her numbers were not so good in comparison. In comparison. Uh-huh. And so then they were like, crap. Well, uh, let's have Flash visit. And yes, he's from another universe, but he's visiting. And it was a good episode and it boosted their numbers. And, and they're so, so cute. Yes. <laughs> yes, it was adorable. And so now, now they're rethinking things. Oh. And they're deciding that maybe Supergirl would be a better fit on, oh, I don't know, a network with the rest of the DC superhero TV shows, which makes sense. Well, CBS didn't pick it up, so it's got to go somewhere else. Yeah, but but CW was happy right. to welcome it into its oh. arms. Mm. Yes. And, well, to be fair, it may not have anything to do with Supergirl itself, because uh, CBS, Scuttlebutt is, CBS is trying to get rid of all their non-in-house shows. Ah, that, okay. That there is you go. part of why they did hmm. not renew Person of Interest. 
because while the numbers weren't what they were, they were still, you know, pretty okay. But, you know, it was not only aging, but an out-of-the-house show. Yeah. And that Supergirl was came from outside of the house. So they were already kind of trying, like, not wanting things that they had to get from other places, other networks, other, you know, mm-hmm. major conglomerates. And so, basically, Supergirl kind of was at a disadvantage. Right. Well, the CW does stand for the uh, Country Western, which is also Warner Brothers. So, you know, it counts as in-house. No, them. it's not Country Western. I know it's not. <laughs> I know it's not. I know. But anyway, uh, but, but but there's a lot more to come here. And there's a yeah. lot of, a lot of um, you know, steps being taken. So more yes. to come, as yes. we like to say. Okay. And now, the briefs. So... Given the success of its comic book-related content, which is to say, Walking Dead, AMC Channel has decided to greenlight a documentary series produced by Kirkman and the team that brought you The Walking Dead about the history of comic books. And frankly, I mean, I think this is an interesting topic that has not been covered in enough mainstream documentaries. And, you know, maybe the crowd that is coming in through The Walking Dead will either bridge to knowing a little bit more, being a little more interested in other comic book content from there, or perhaps uh, some diehard comic people will already be watching the channel and interested yeah, in that. Right. Sounds great. With six episodes an hour each, yes. I think it was. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, yeah so, it sounds great. Yeah, I'm psyched. Yeah, I know that's on my and, uh, too. And they said they're going to look at the angle from race and gender and bringing yeah. all these other men how that how it figures well, PBS, in the mix on the, as of I the history of PBS did that uh, three part like superheroes thing. Yes, yeah. they did. But, but it was all about superheroes. It did not yes. go elsewhere. So it's time to have an yeah. integrated history. Comic. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. Um, and also speaking about corporations uh, sort of creeping into and integrating with the comic book milieu, uh, the award show, an award show, what award show? We're not sure. At San Diego Comic Con, uh, there are very, very strong rumors saying that Lionsgate is looking into uh, producing some kind of major televised award show with San Diego Comic-Con. Now, is this the Eisners? We don't know. Mm -hmm. Uh, What will this look like? We don't know. Will it happen? Who knows? But it's very interesting to contemplate. What do you guys think? Yeah, I find it a little baffling. I mean, I I think it would be interesting if they could do a different kind of show, but it seems to me... Well, look, here's... They're going to want superheroes they're gonna want the well, whole well here's the deal you know they're doing mass uh, market. Uh, but Lionsgate and Comic Con are doing uh, Comic Con HQ and SVOD channel together or mm. service you're together. right that's right so yes, yes, okay yes. why don't we back up what is that yeah. that's a s- subscription that's a video on demand yeah uh, okay. like Crunchyroll um, mm-hmm. the WWE I, but Network. I had forgotten about that but you're right yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I forget what the most popular ones are uh, yeah. but you know everybody's trying to launch an SVOD yet another outlet for programming um, so it's only natural that they would be talking about this. Mm-hmm. Now, they are going to live stream some panels from San Diego, including some Hall H panels, but without the content, uh, without the uh, video content, um, yeah. the exclusive stuff. So, um, you know, they're going to be doing a lot of stuff together. So so I think I, this seemed to me to be a very planted rumor. And then uh, the spokesman came out and said, oh, yes, we are talking to them. So we don't mm-hmm. know. So, you know, like a lot of people have said the Eisner's, could be an award show. You know, do people really love award shows? Do they? Well, you know what? Well, they a like lot. certain award shows. But that's the Doug Wright Awards. The Doug Wright Awards are pretty cool, honestly, um, uh, as your alternative <laughs> yes. award show. 
Yeah, I don't know. You know, I mean, uh, I mean, I, I, you know, look, I, I, I think the Eisners should narrow down their categories. Easy uh. for me to say. Um, no disrespect to anyone. I understand why they give out these a lot of these awards. Um, but I admit, I, you know, I tend to be there for the book awards. Um, but you know, uh, I remember one time I was uh, interviewing. Uh, David and I was saying, you know, you should get rid of some of these awards. And he says, okay, which one would you get rid of? And I say, well, wait a minute, I'm asking the questions here. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know what they should listen, get rid of. Listen, <laughs> everybody's an award show producer. Yes, all right? exactly. You know, listen, they just got people to put on pants for the show. You know, <laughs> I was uh, notorious. Yeah, and a few it's years actually ago. gotten yeah. briskly it's produced. And and I, I that's what I reported this on the beat. I said I'm of two minds. You know, on the one hand, it's like, yeah, could we have actual, you know, every friggin' star in the friggin' universe is at San Diego. You know, couldn't we have somebody besides, you know, uh, I mean, insert the name of your pro, yeah, yes. pro here. <laughs> but anyway, you know, so we'll see, we'll see. I, I, that's we'll see. Anyway, you know, if if they have an S, uh, if this is going to just be, quote unquote, televised online then it can still basically be the award show as we know it. Because, I mean, I think there are a lot of fans, like myself, who live on the other side of the country and are like, God, don't want to go to San Diego, who might be interested in watching the awards. Mm-hmm. Maybe it'll be a best of, best of the Eisners yeah. or something. Well, just to finish that thought then, I, I wouldn't want to see presenters like Sergio Aragonas and, you know, Steve Lealoha. I wouldn't want to see the the actual comics people pushed aside yeah, in favor no. of the stars of shows on Me the neither. CW. Me so, neither. anyway. Anyway. Okay. Yes. Okay. Uh, so, as we were speaking about changes at New York Comic Con earlier, hmm. there is another one. Um, they've announced that New York Comic Con Super Week is no more, or rather, it's renamed. It's renamed to New York Comic Con Presents. Yes. And the idea was basically that people heard the word Super Week and had no clue what was. <laughs> Whereas New York Comic Con Presents is very clearly something presented and, by New York Comic Con. You Comic-Con. know, I, again, I interviewed Lance and he said, you know, we feel this name uh, ties in a lot more with our brand equity. <laughs> you think? So it's pretty, it's pretty simple. <laughs> uh, you know, every time they try to do something, you know, like everyone told them, do a show in Chicago. And they're like, don't call it a Comic Con. So they call it the seat. Comics, Chicago Comics and Ex- Entertainment Expo. Everyone's like, what the hell, the hell is, is this? That? I want to go to a Comic-Con. Yeah, right. So it's taken them like eight years for C2E2 to become an actual brand. To mean so, something to someone. Yeah, whereas New York Comic-Con, short, sweet, you know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so as part of this plan, they also will make the daytime programming from uh, NYCC Presents free with your badge. Yes. The idea being that it will lure some people out Off of the floor. The floor, the floor yes. Out to other venues. Well, but their evening programs will still be ticketed. Yes. And yes. Charged. They have a lot of things. They're going to be at a lot of venues. You know, yeah. they have a lot of concert stuff. Now, yeah. I, you know what? I, I've heard there's a lot more to come on this. I've heard little dribs and drabs. Nothing that I even, I feel confident in repeating here even uh in the con friendly confines of our podcast but uh, yes expect to see a lot of changes for new york comic-con is what i'm hearing all right okay and and one more big change now we were talking about the uh warner brothers cinematic universe and the one thing that people are actually looking forward to in the very near future is the suicide squad movie so dc 
is capitalizing on this by putting out a bunch of Suicide Squad one-shots coming out at the same time as the movie. And one of them is going to be a double-length one-shot by John Ostrander, the man who created Suicide Squad. Nice. So um, I know I'm looking forward to that book. And listeners, you may look forward to it as well. All right. Well, there's a lot that's happening, a lot that's more to come.